0: This is heaven.
1: the Bloody Pit. It is time for the annual Holiday Horror episode. Um, I know some people actually look forward to this. I'm glad of that. Imagine I've heard one of I've heard from a few of you. But uh, I am Rod Barnett and I am sitting here across from Troy Gwynn. Indeed. And John Hudson. Yay.
2: Completing this Gleesome threesome. <laughs> Aren't we a happy trio? We are. I think we are. This is the only time the three of us get together for one of these every year. And I say it every year. We got to do more. And Rod's always like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And as soon as I leave, he's
1: like, no. Ain't no way in
2: hell I'm doing
1: that again. No. I'm trying to. It's like wrangling cats. It's just not, not possible. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This year, it was Troy's turn mm-hmm. to pick. So, uh, as you might have noticed from the name on the file of this show, uh, we're talking about the nineteen. Uh, oh no! I'm sorry. It's a 21st century film.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's not. Yeah. It's not the most original title. It's been used before. Before. That's
1: yeah, true. Uh, the 2008 British horror film, The Children. One that I had seen, I haven't sussed this out completely with the two of you. I saw this right after it came out on on DVD, mm-hmm. uh, either two thousand eight or two thousand nine. I'm not sure exactly when it dropped on video, but I really enjoyed it then. I thought it was a great film. Uh, but I I will admit that uh, the uh, the downer ending aspect of it, incredibly entertaining film, but is one of those movies that I just never revisited mm-hmm. until. Now, because we're covering it for the show. Uh, When did you first see it, Troy?
3: Um, Well, it's funny. I... uh... I think that, first of all, I'm going to ask because you may know this, but was this part of the? There were a few years there in a row where they would do those film festivals. that would go rounds the yes. theater where it'd be like yes. seven or eight, eight horror films. films. Oh, oh, I know eight films to die for. Yeah. Is that was eight, that eight
1: films to die for or something after Dark?
3: After Dark, right? something okay. like that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it looked to me from the poster art like this was part of that. It was.
1: It was I do believe that it was released over here as part mm-hmm. of that. You know, because they, you know, they, they would they famously would like. You know, try to find the highest quality films that they could find that had already been produced. They yeah, weren't producing right. them; they were just yeah. trying to like gather a bunch of them under mm-hmm. under one umbrella as a kind of a a, a release. It wasn't you know it wasn't much of a, a release. I think each film got two or three days in the cinema, mm-hmm. you know, in rapid succession there for a little while, and that was a a brief and interesting experiment that I thoroughly enjoyed, but that didn't survive very long. Yeah,
3: I remember it was only for a couple of years they did that. I wish it had lasted longer, but so mm-hmm. well. Honestly, it was just a couple of months ago this came in my Netflix mail, you know, came in next (laughs) week's queue. And this happens to me a lot. It may happen to you guys too, but something comes in you're like, what is this and why was it in my queue? You know, And, and what happens a lot of times is that I'll be reading a... You know, a magazine like Horror Hound or Scream or something, and they'll have somebody doing a report on some film festival, and they'll be like writing about the films they saw, their best things they saw, and I'll just like, oh, you know, I just want to see if Netflix has that, and I'll pop it in the queue. You know, two years later, you know, <laughs> <when> I've totally <laughs> forgotten, it comes in and just like I have no idea why, I, or you know, but I, but in just reading the description, it it mentioned it took place at Christmas, and I was like, oh, okay, because I knew I'd already been in the mode of starting to think about things to pick for our show because mm-hmm. I knew it was my turn coming up. I thought, well, I thought well. Hell, let's uh, we'll see how it is. And as soon as I watched the first time, it's when I sent you guys a message saying, "Hey, I want to do you know, I want to do this film the children," not knowing if you guys saw it all. But yeah, that's so they just by accident just. Dropped into my, my Netflix skew there.
1: So, two things. One,
3: so you've just come across it this oh, year. Oh, yeah, within just the last couple of months, first time all.
1: And thing. two, you do need to know that you are the last human being on earth who gets DVDs and Blu-rays through the mail from now I do realize that as well. I am in the
3: streaming world as well, but for some strange reason, I've kept the one, and, it, and I've only got it where I can have like one out at a time. So, I just, but I've, I've not given up that physical uh, DVD rental thing yet. Um, well, it
2: sounds like it works though, because like <laughs> this is like a perfect example of. Yeah the same sort of thing you get when you used to go to a video store. Yeah, yeah. So that looks kind of cool and take it home because mm-hmm. yeah. with streaming, you don't necessarily have that same
1: right. same thing. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the discovery thing is, mm-hmm. it isn't at all the same on a streaming yeah. service. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very yeah, true.
2: yeah.
3: there's quite a few films that have kind of hit me that way where they came in and I'd have no idea why I put it in the queue, what drew me to it, you know, and just but then pop it in and, and be pleasantly surprised, you know, or just be you know, like, oh, cool, it's something I never would have seen otherwise. And, but... But uh, how about you, John?
2: I had not seen this until Troy suggested it.
1: Ah. Oh, okay. So I'm the only one who saw it... 12 or so years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I will say that the other film,
2: The Children, about the kids on yeah. the school bus yes. mm-hmm. who get the radioactive gas yeah. and their fingernails turn black and they burn their parents, I saw that about 35 years ago on Commander USA uh, one day with a, with Commander and Lefty. He showed that on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon. That's a heck of a movie, too. That is a fun... <laughs> but
1: strangely enough, it does not take place at Christmas time. No, it does if not. If it, it did.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I, uh, yeah, that one, uh, I, I, I saw that in the early, early days of cable. Um, when only my, you know, only my grandparents who lived in Nashville had it, because I lived way out, you know, about 30 minutes outside of Nashville. Mm-hmm. And it was still several years off before cable made its way out that direction. So it was a real novelty to go to my grandparents' house and be able to watch cable. And there was one night, I was sitting, I just watching TV and flipping around. And, and, uh, and, and, and again, in those early days, those years before all the made for cable stuff, there was, you know, man, all kinds of Obscure films would show up on cable. That that one came came up as just yes. I'll never forget watching watching that. So I'm the
1: I'm the odd man out on on uh, on that that film the 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 children because I didn't see it till it came to uh, something weird video. Oh okay. Uh, Their their DVD release of it. Mm -hmm. I think it was uh, yeah yeah their DVD release Mm -hmm. of it. But uh, nevertheless. One thing I wanted to say is that uh, I don't know that if I've ever talked about it on here before. I may mention it every year and then manage to forget it every 12 months. Uh, but one of the odder things that I do that is kind of holiday-centric is that every year for well over 20 years now, I, I, I fear trying to dope out exactly how long I've been doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but each year I make sure that I find one Christmas album. Mm-hmm. that uh, I want to add to my collection. And when I first started doing this, I didn't really think that much of it because I was buying things that are just, you know, they're classics, you know, like the Rat mm-hmm. Pack Christmas album or, right. you know, Johnny Cash's Christmas album. You know, stuff where you're just like, well, no, I mean, mm-hmm. these are these are standards. These are great. But as the years have gone on, you know, years ago, I used to think, ah, the Gene Autry Christmas album, I'm on the cutting edge of weird. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't on the cutting edge. No, not at all. This man you know, recorded Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, for fuck's sake. So, but for years now, I have been able to find, and I've been helped along by a large number of very interesting CD-releasing labels, uh, interesting stuff that uh, I would never have even heard of until I just start poking around and start looking. Mm. And this year's addition to my bizarre CD compilations or bizarre CD albums is a sterling reissue of an album I didn't know that existed until 2022, The Complete Christmas on the Ponderosa. Ah, Featuring the cast of Bonanza, oh my of God, course. Yeah, I was
3: wondering. <laughs>
1: and I'll tell you right now, oh. really love this CD. <laughs> the original album is on here, along with uh, uh, some addendums, including uh, Lauren Green gracing us with his versions of uh, "Twas the Night Before Christmas" and "Jingle Bells" and "Christmas Is Coming" and stuff like that, and even a couple of. Uh, Christmas bonus tracks uh, like must be Santa and things like yeah, that yeah so it's a good little package but uh, the the original album that is the is the the center of this thing the thing that actually came out mm-hmm. back in the 60s is kind of a it's kind of a, another way to milk the bond you know the the, the, the bonanza mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. Bonanza essentially yeah. is this uh this album, you know, the, the Christmas on the Ponderosa thing, which is constructed almost as if it is you're listening to a a recording of a Christmas themed musical episode. Oh my gosh, of, so it's got like
3: dialogue and shit um, in it. Um, yeah, oh yeah, oh no, no awesome. yeah, it tells oh, a
1: story, dude. That, oh, that's awesome. It tells that's a story awesome. across Love the awesome. uh, across the whole album. And that's why I kinda wanted to mention it here because it's like I know I'm insane. <laughs> I know that <laughs> the things that I'm interested in are really <laughs> often quite odd. And, you know, clearly this fits the bill for just what the fuck is he talking about. Mm -hmm. But it is so interesting, a kind of window into, Mm -hmm. you know, let's create a record Mm -hmm. album that Mm -hmm. people can listen to in their home. And it kind of gives you a sense of a Christmas gathering with lots of songs.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, uh, you will want to avoid the ones on a second listen that are sung by uh, by Dan Blocker. Oh,
3: see, I was hoping Hoss you to say Haas had a was a quite a crooner
1: there. No, Haas was not a crooner. <laughs>
2: Did uh, Hop sing sing any racially? No, no, no. no <laughs> Hop, sing, <laughs>
1: Hop sing is included in so here, right, but we'd have to cancel that CD. But uh, Purnell Roberts, Pernell Roberts, a hell of a singer. Yeah, uh, and uh, uh, Michael Landon, not bad at all. Mm. And Lauren Green, of course, and Lauren Green was you know, the, 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 the voice of uh, the CBC, you know, CBC yeah, radio in sure. uh, Canada for years yeah. and years and years. And so you know, if you've ever heard his voice, you can see how even just uh, kind of doing that, I'm not really a singer, but I'm going to give mm-hmm. it my all mm-hmm. kind of sense of things that you can get with some people. It's I, I have to admit, if you can find this to stream, I'm not recommending everybody go out and buy this, because not everybody's crazy as I am, but Christmas on the Ponderosa is worth your time. Well, right? after you uh, plugged it, all the millennials are going to rush out and buy this. <laughs> oh yeah, because the millennials do nothing but wait for a 50-something-year-old <laughs> to explain to them exactly why they should be interested in a show they've never heard of and a bunch of actors they have no clue about. Okay. That's exactly what they do. Well, my I to. Fa-
2: oh, nope. oh, one of my favorite Christmas records is the uh, Six Million Dollar Man Bionic Christmas album. <laughs> <laughs> There's this, no music in that, man. No, but it's got great stories about Christmas, and Steve Austin saves the day every time. And, <laughs> you know, I always wondered if he did. I love the uh, Crypt Keeper Christmas album, which um, <laughs> I got my I got my copy of that uh, CD signed this year by John Kassir at a convention. Oh my God! Of course you did. Yeah, awesome. Well, yeah. And um, then um, I just heard about a, an album this week that I want to track down. There's a great podcast called Bizarre Albums. And it's just what it sounds like. It's bizarre albums. And it started off with things like, you know, the Shatner album and things like yeah, that that yeah. you'd expect. But as time has gone on, they've had to go deeper and deeper. And this month they're spotlighting Christmas albums. And their latest one is uh, an album called A Rubber Band Christmas. And it has two musicians who, the story goes, were locked in a recording studio accidentally one night mm-hmm. and recorded a Christmas album using nothing but office supplies. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> And every oh title is like, You know, rubber bells and, um, you know, rubber claws has come to town. It's like lots of rubber bands and staplers and and tape being pulled. But it's like, you know, like,
1: (laughs) Oh, Lord. I don't know that I can make it through that one. Wow. I mean, I would probably try. Don't get me wrong. but. (laughs) Nevertheless, folks, we're going to take a slight break here. We'll Why come not? back. I cut Troy oh, off. Oh, oh, what I was just
3: going to say was, I hope you will drop some clips of the Ponderosa Christmas into our show here, just to share it with. <laughs> oh
1: my God! Okay, I, I I I tell you what, I will. So folks, uh, if you if you need a little if you need a little taste to get a sense of just how amazing this bizarre Christmas album is, here you go. Chop chop, hop sing. <laughs> God, just, <laughs> uh, racially tinged weirdness.
0: <laughs> all right, but deal's a deal. Let's hear your Swedish, ditty. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, all right. I, I I said I would, and I will. Let it not be said that Ben Cartwright didn't keep a promise. <laughs> <clears throat> All right boys tune me up <laughs> <clears throat> Saint Nicholas came dancing overhead then jumped nimble down the chimney <laughs> ah when he saw the dinner table spread he had a feast by him knee. First he ate the goose, and then he ate the fish, gobbled up the smorgasbord and every tasty dish. When in the morn he tumbled out of bed, there was Nicholas, old Saint Nicholas, stuck by the belly in the chimney. <laughs> 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 stuck By the belly in the chimney. Ben Cartwright! You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Come on over here now and help me light the candles. All right, Abby, all right. Candle lighting time. Everybody ready? Hand me some of them candles. Larry, come on out in the kitchen and help me wash the dishes. Well, Susie, how about lighting some of the candles? The
1: Children from 2008. A British film that. you can very easily see it yourself. Uh, it's out there. Uh, that's how I rewatched it. it was on Tubi, mm-hmm. the uh, the uh, streaming app or streaming? We call them channels. Still, is it a streaming channel or is it a streaming app? app. It, well, you have to have the app. I think. I don't to know. Watch it. It's a service. It's a streaming service. There yeah, you go. You service. have you yes. good and good jobs. So I'll say, I'll
2: say um, Tubi has a lot of really crazy strange odd things on there and one thing that i love about them they do have limited commercial interruptions but yeah, they're actually yeah. fairly intelligently placed um a lot of times like if um, say you watch something on voodoo and it's like free mm. movie and every 10 minutes a commercial oh, yeah. pops up no matter what's going on oh you might be in mid-syllable <laughs> oh, my oh my i i have, I have stopped
1: watching a movie more than once yeah and i
2: i can't yeah. do it but on Tubi, at least they sort of tend to be in spots that aren't quite as intrusive. And if you're watching an old TV show on TV, they put them in where the commercial breaks were. So, Well, that's cool.
3: That so. just sounds like that would be a not-so-pleasant flashback to uh, to uh, watch oh, the old UHF channel. Like, you know, Channel 17 in Nashville here was, was like, notorious for doing that, and Channel 30 was, too. You oh, just know? dropping like, the just commercials dropping Just yeah. people, like said, breaking off in just mid-sentence. And then when it came back in commercial, you really weren't guaranteed that it was going to pick up the rest of the sentence yeah. where it left off. You know, it might be a few scenes later
1: that it pops back in. Well, nevertheless, the children from two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I think we're in that weird territory where we need to discuss: is it a Christmas movie or not? And I think mm-hmm. that this is an instance where the movie takes place at Christmas time. Yeah. But I wouldn't necessarily describe it as a Christmas film.
3: No, that's a good point. I mean, I think that there's there's not a whole lot directly related to the holiday. I mean, you could you could have put these families. I would say just getting together at any other for any other occasion, just getting say. together. So I think it's obviously they thought. Well, the the appeal of doing a Christmas horror movie is always just inherent in those two words. You know, this mm-hmm. this holiday that's always supposed to be associated with joy and and. The one, know, peace, the wonder
1: of life, goodwill
3: to that. men, and all yeah. this, and so you automatically put a horse, you know, scenario in it, and you have already kind of upped your appeal potential, or you know, to make yeah. things interesting. Otherwise, that I can see, you know, there's not a whole lot of not of really a lot.
2: It does though give the reason for two families to get together that may not normally get together. Yeah,
3: because yeah, you could yeah. quickly pick up on a lot of tension, <laughs> yeah, not to say the least.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, I think that the thing that. It, it it's not a prerequisite but i mean the idea that it is you know the, the the centerpiece of the reason these two families are getting together is are the are the the two sisters who mm-hmm. are the, uh, mm-hmm. the the mothers of each individual family unit and so i can only think back to what christmas what when you moved mm-hmm. into your uh, your teenage years as you got a little older weren't a child anymore you began to realize that there were uncomfortable tensions honestly at mm-hmm. a lot of these family gatherings mm-hmm. and it wasn't always evident when you were a kid and it also yeah. always wasn't necessarily something you took note of until everybody had been around each other and kind of gotten a little relaxed mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and a little more comfortable and those yeah. those uh, sharp edges started to kind of creep into the conversation and about and uh, the 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 discontented bits and pieces of the family relationships started to rear their ugly heads mm-hmm. and kind of uh, shall we say interfere with the the spirit of the season mm-hmm. to a large
3: degree. Mm-hmm. And the kids are so children they're you know are so dialed into their own world, you know, during yeah. all this, all the excitement and all that and that thats this film captures a lot of that too early on, I think too, where, you know, the kids are just so utterly. Uh, into their own mania, you know, that they, you know, that they don't even, they they don't even notice, you know, what's going on in the adult world.
1: And the, and the film allows us of that window in because there's a, there's an interesting breakdown of three different basic types within the, the, this family, Mm -hmm. because there are no other characters in this movie other than this, this family, this extended Mm -hmm. family, the, uh, the two, you know, the two, the two, the two married couples and there are various children. Mm-hmm. And that is all. There are no other characters in this film. Yeah. And to say that is really kind of odd because it's not something that really occurs to you, at least on first blush. Right. Because there are all these extra, there are, there are all these tentacles that kind of reach out away from this family gathering. This movie takes place at this one country house where mm-hmm. this family is getting together for the holidays. And there are there. But there is a breakdown just in age that you can observe from the outside of this family and it's pretty natural it's the same breakdown of ages that you would get at any family gathering of this size which is you have the children mm-hmm. and you got them running around scurrying around where you know it'd be the, the situation where you'd almost have to have them nailed to the floor just to get a good head count and make sure you knew where they all they all were and then you have the adults the the two the two married couples and then you have in the middle, mm. a single very individual, in yeah. yeah, very much in the middle between these mm. two opposite mm. age poles, is the one teenager.
3: And you know, being the one teenager, she is going to be miserable. <laughs> yeah, and all the time. Yeah, and gonna, she is.
2: She doesn't want to be where she is, mm. and the best thing she can possibly get is the job of watching the kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's not an adult.
1: Yeah. Nope, nope. And she is, of course. I mean, this is this, this is this is perfect because it gives us someone who. Uh, the movie positions as our entry into this family and an observer who doesn't want to be there. Mm -hmm. Someone who's already pushing against, who's already scheming behind her mother's back Mm -hmm. to sneak away and meet up with friends and go to a party. Mm -hmm. So we have this, uh, this wonderful setup and the the construction of it is brilliant because it does allow us even before the horror element starts to creep Mm -hmm. into the Mm storyline it gives us an idea really quickly that the people who wrote this, the people who, who uh, are, are scripting this out and kind of gaming out the family units has a real insight into exactly how these things play out because it's hard to not identify with almost everybody in this to one degree or another. Mm-hmm. You may like or dislike certain characters in different, mm-hmm. you know, to, to one degree or another, find one or two of them irritating or not. Yeah. But at the same time, they're not... Well, let's put it this way: We're not being presented with a with a scenario that is, in any way, shape, or form, unbelievable. In matter of no, fact, it's no. almost horribly believable. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. painfully believable at because times. the
2: adults. None of these characters at all are like cookie cutters. It's like you, exactly. don't, have no. the, you yeah. don't have the you don't have the trunk sister or the nope. wacky uncle right. or the um, you know, the sullen brooding teenager. They're all nope.
1: very real people. Mm-hmm. And, and we see. I mean, like I say, the easiest thing for them to have done would have been to paint. One or two of these characters as caricatures, and they
2: don't—not at
1: all. And, and and that's kind that's yeah. kind of interesting because I'll admit, uh, even though I hadn't seen this movie before, I honestly thought, wait a minute, does the does the older handsome uncle, who you know, who let's 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 admit the guy is a good looking guy,
3: mm-hmm.
1: does he play up to the teenage girl? Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, he really is just trying to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's clear that she thinks he's handsome Mm -hmm. and that he's married into the family and that you can see that that's gone through her head but he's not playing up to her he's not doing that thing that would immediately paint him as some kind of lech. Mm -hmm. he is someone who loves her dearly thinks of her kindly will will go out of his way to to do things for her Mm -hmm. and just as he does for the other kids i mean he's the one who's on the forefront out there every time in the snow playing with all those kids yeah and so the uh to, much to his, much to his own detriment, sad <laughs> so to say, yeah. but that would have been one of the more easily, you know, g- ridiculous kind of caricatures to paint would be the the lecherous uncle. Yeah, and they and, don't do it.
3: And and I I would disagree slightly with you on that. Just in my own impression, I came off with just that I did came out come off with the feeling that he was doing some flirting with her, but not that he had any intention on acting on it. Correct. It, which again, they could have gone that direction, and with either case, they didn't really. And they didn't really give you the impression necessarily that she would was planning would go anywhere right. th- to that extreme with him. I got the feeling that there was some flirtation between them, but it was very nicely, to me, very nicely underplayed. You know that it, uh-huh. that it wasn't going to go to that point. You know, Right. well, it was. It, and it
1: was that scene where they they share a joint in right. the greenhouse. Right. Yeah. That's the scene where a less smart script would have had something happen. Exactly, yeah. Or
3: had him really, yeah,
1: say something yeah. just really un- inappropriate. And he does. Yeah, and you're not. right, and I do
3: agree with you that I think a lot of a lot of what he's doing is yeah. trying to recognize that she's miserable and is trying to show her some attention, even to the whole thing of him like complimenting her tattoo. I mean, yeah, there's yeah. kind of a little bit of a sexual thing with him, you know, uh, you know, being that close to her madrift and all that, you know, being close to, you know, kind of reaching, but, but at the same time, I think he really is trying to just Make her feel like it's cool, you know, like 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 she she, that that he notices it and notices her, if nothing else.
2: And that's one of the things that this movie has going for it. All every every word of it is brilliantly written. Mm -hmm. Yes, and the the dialogue you guys have just nailed it. Mm -hmm. That uncle character, you could read it both ways. Yeah, Yeah. from her side, he could be Mm -hmm. the horny uncle that she's obviously described to her friend as. Right, but. It, but if I, what you I look love at it is from that him. would
1: be exactly how someone would describe their good looking, their right. good looking uncle to someone else. You so, know?
2: but you could read it like maybe he's being a little overly flirty, or maybe mm-hmm. he's just trying to make her feel at home and mm-hmm. playing up to her because he knows he's an outsider of this family too. yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. knows how she feels. It could go either way, and the movie mm-hmm. doesn't nail it either way. So it's up for you to make your own mind up. But it's so well written. Yeah, you could read it either way and not be wrong. Uh-huh. I mean, everything that
3: could be so overwritten, I mean, you know, like the way, you know, if you put it on paper and you put how you divide, I mean, honestly, it took me like the second viewing to really kind of compartmentalize and really kind of, you know, first I think it's it's it, it intentionally, because it's so good at not spelling things out, it it took me a while to even figure out whose kids were whose really yeah, and what yeah. they're reaching. But you, oh, yeah. once,
1: once they intermingle,
3: yeah. it's, it's impossible to tell like,
1: to a certain degree because those yeah. kids are just so thrilled to be with each other. Yeah, right? and it
3: captures that perfect chaos of and, you know, joyful yeah. chaos of mm-hmm. a family get-together. You know, so you slowly begin to realize, okay, the people who, I mean, it, but you know, you watch it the second time and, and, and just as they're pulling up to the house, you hear one of the kids in the car say like, why can't we live in a house like this? You know, and, and then and second that's, viewing, that's, yeah. you realize what an under, how uh, with the husband in the the family that's arriving, you know, who, who is obviously like a second husband, at least yes. of that woman, you know, and, and you can, and it, but then you see it play out in the film, how he obviously feels inadequate and here he's coming to this house where these people are successful overachievers but even they are not obnoxious and they're I mean they're just I mean they, they you know none of the characters are like I said no, there's no villains no heroes no, none of them are likable or unlikable you yeah. know they're just really I mean I, de- I definitely just think that yeah just the uh, between the performances and the writing it's just some really great human dynamics that could have really gone wrong if they, in the hands of a less skilled you know less skilled a uh, writer, writer. Yeah, yeah,
1: right. yeah I agree yeah. I agree well uh, one of the things that I think, it's fascinating. I've done a lot of reading, some critical reading on this film, and all of it has been, all of it has been very positive. And one of the things, we should probably stay right up front, that um, what we're going to give you as listeners uh, the kind of broad strokes of the story. And then we're not really going to go into a lot of detail about the last third of the film. Mm-hmm. And we're probably just going to talk around cer- certain subjects. But there's a lot to discuss in this film. And so we'll just get this out of the way. So these, mm-hmm. the, this extended family gets together at the country house of one of the, one of the sisters, um, uh, for the, for the holidays. They plan to be there for several days, probably between, but from Christmas all, all the way through new years, uh, the, uh, over the course of time, the, uh, uh, interdynamic tensions, the, the kind of family, yeah. uh, rough edges do start to rub up against each other, not in Terrible ways. There are no fights that are mm-hmm. overt mm-hmm. until, well, terrible things start to happen that really just you, they have no control over. But the real crux of this and why the film is called The Children is that the children start acting in an odd way. And the movie, much to its benefit and much to its credit, mm-hmm. does not ever spell out. Uh, as I as I was to, as I described before we were recording, there's mm-hmm. there's never that point where a scientist on the television screen is pointing at a whiteboard mm-hmm. and going, "This has happened, and this mm-hmm. is why this is occurring." No, nothing like that. Yeah. So we're never given a firm, exact answer. Although the movie is pretty clear if you pay attention, what is causing the children to go from. The normal spastic, happy Mm -hmm. holiday children Mm -hmm. thrilled that it's Christmas time and thrilled that they're out Mm -hmm. in the country and get to play in the snow and do all the things that you love to do when you're that Mm -hmm. age. And then slowly segue into not feeling particularly well,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: being a little sick, Mm -hmm. and then taking violent action against the adults in the film. Mm -hmm. Taking violent action against, specifically, their parents. And it becomes a very... Very violent, uh, I, I would say. I, I, I have to admit on my rewatch of this film, my memory of the violence was stronger than it was. And There's really only a few instances where I think, whoa, they really they really spent the money on the gore there. Mm-hmm. And it's in the first, the first death. Yeah. Uh, where they really sell the injury.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I think that that's really all they needed to do because from then on, mm-hmm. you're just waiting for the film to do that to you again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, once again, another aspect of the smart filmmaking involved.
2: And I wanted to talk about actually the shot where you're talking about what the hints at what's causing it, right? Right. Because I thought it was beautiful. There's a a close up on like some like looks like maybe some vomit on a pillow, mm-hmm. right? And it closes in, closes, in. and then you see a um, close up frame of some bacteria. Yeah, a microscopic view. Yeah, microscopic bacteria, which
1: fades beautifully into a snow globe. That's I oh, love that huh? segment, Yeah, great Thank shot. And, it, and it's it's giving you. A firm possibility, if not the probability, of what's causing this without mm-hmm. anybody in the film, any character in the movie, mm-hmm. ever having to know anything. Yeah. yeah, so it's not like, say, in um,
2: in um, Dead Alive, where it's the Symmetran rat monkey. <laughs> or, yeah, <laughs> or in um, 28 Days Later, where the monkey bites.
3: Yeah. And it's
2: In mm-hmm. this one, you never see it, which makes me think that it might have been an invisible chimp bite. Uh, uh, of course,
3: of, of course. course.
1: How could I have thought otherwise? You may exit the house.
3: <laughs> I'm actually surprised they didn't. There's all that fake snow around. I'm surprised they didn't find the chimp trip tracks. And well, the, he's tricky. <laughs> yeah. Plus, he can swing <laughs> from the tree. I,
1: I, yes. I think we've also established in the past that apparently this invisible chimp can levitate.
3: <laughs> About what it was, the only watching the little making of extra that I even knew that all that snow was fake, which just still blows my mind. That oh, I know. That, yeah. How realistic really? they can make it. yeah. That's actually not real snow, and that's actually it. it was filmed in the cold weather, but uh, but uh, there's oh but yeah,
1: it's that, obviously yeah, cold. Yeah. But all that
3: snow is fake. Yeah, I had no idea because I watched it on
2: Tubi, so there weren't any extras. Right. There. Yeah. That, yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. It is amazing, man. <laughs> well, Whatever. that's where the budget <laughs> went. <laughs> there was a lot of it. <laughs> well, one to say, too
3: that the it's um, one of the clever things that the that that uh, you know helps with the slow burn of the film is that the first kid <laughs> to get affected is one who I think is I believe is supposed to be autistic. I think is is I think that's I guess the case with the kid. Either way, he's obviously got. The young, yeah, the kid Luke, I think his name was, yeah. or I, I think is the, um, is that right? Am I, am I getting that name right? Oh with the, gosh, what was his name? Uh, the uh, the, I, I believe that's uh, Polly. I'm sorry, that's I wasn't right, even Polly. Because I, I, I remember now, as you said, I was thinking Bert Young. Yes, yeah, Polly. Yeah, hey. yeah. So Polly, the little kid, is, is 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 I think maybe supposed to be autistic, It never really says what he has. But he's obviously yeah. the one that they're all kind of watching, like and paying special attention to, because he's obviously had some sort of issue there. And so, but because he's the first one affected, means that it. It nobody notices, you know, because he already has odd behavioral things. And but one thing I love too is that it's it's the kids that notice each other, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas adults are still just oblivious. One of my favorite scenes is that crazy dinner table scene. That's again just so chaotic and just set your nerves on edge, as it can often be in the situation. Just, yeah. But again, it's obvious all these things are going on with these kids noticing which one of them are are acting weird and being afraid of each other, and the adults are just so into their own kind of competitiveness or hidden you know tensions with each other that they're not even noticing what's I got a going question on. for yes. you and uh-huh.
1: this is something that occurred to me and I, I have not seen anybody else kind of draw this line mm-hmm. but it is that dinner table scene where you're watching it's only mm-hmm. on a second viewing that you mm-hmm. can really realize what you're looking at mm-hmm. which is what you were just describing which mm-hmm. is the idea that some of these some of the kids at this point at that dinner table are infected because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. some of them are not right. In other words, there's one or two of them Mm -hmm. that is just a normal kid, you know, acting like a normal kid when he doesn't want to be sitting at the dinner table with the adults and being told to eat. Yeah. And there is a line between those two Mm -hmm. that isn't evident on first viewing. Right. But when you watch it a second time... It feels a shit ton like a scene in John Carpenter's The Thing where everybody's gathered around a particular table mm-hmm. and trying to figure out if anybody else here is infected or not.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good and point. it's
1: only the kids who know something's off. Mm-hmm. But they're kids, so they don't know what it is or what it or that it's actually dangerous or that mm-hmm. it is what it might be.
2: Mm-hmm. And they can't even communicate it that well. Right. Like the little girl says, right. Polly's... Scaring me. Well, it, it, you know, you love your cousin. Going back upstairs.
3: Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and and the adults are just going to think, well,
3: she's just being, she's just, he's affecting because of his behavioral issues. You yeah, know, that he's he's right. making her uncomfortable.
2: Yeah, and and, and the the um, way the kids get the disease, it's not like the uh, switch is flipped and suddenly they go no, berserk. No, it's There's, a it's, it's a it's gradual, gradual thing. Yeah. And it's like they're acting out, they're acting out, and suddenly like, oh man, this kid's really. Yeah, crazy. And, it's like, mm-hmm. and then it gets even worse and it
1: becomes yeah. impossible to know where the dividing line is mm-hmm. between just acting out because they're you know they're you know they're tired or mm-hmm. they're they're, mm-hmm. they're cranky or they you know they don't want to be exactly where they are right at that second mm-hmm. or they're acting out in a way that's actually murderous yeah and by the time that anybody any of the adults have any inkling that something more than yeah. a normal childlike <laughs> mm-hmm. discontent is in the air uh, it's too late yeah it's a little too late.
3: Well, and even then, I, I think the film does a great job of uh, of uh, something else that is that is also a common theme. And you know, we could you can go off on a whole tangent, and maybe we will, but you know, talk about other child you know child horror films, that whole subgenre. But um, one of the things that drives these films usually is the adults' inability to believe a child is a monster. You know, to yes. believe to see the monster yes, exactly. on a child. You know, yeah. so and, and in of this course
2: case, the kids are so they're not like. Crazed maniac kids. No, So they're no. still able to be manipulative and mm-hmm.
1: mommy. You know, mm-hmm. what's wrong? Oh yeah, to, to turn to turn on the tears and and to pretend that they're that that they're just a normal kid who's upset. Yeah, and yeah. no parent would want to believe that their eight
2: year old or mm-hmm. younger is, was really trying to is kill them. a murderer. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, you know, how yeah. would it be impossible for a parent to see that? And this actually is a good spot to to bring up. How great are the kid actors in oh, this? Oh man,
1: one has to wonder how the director. Spoke and spoke yeah. to the act to those children actors to get these performances out of yeah. them because you know you don't you know you, you you have to turn these kind of things into games for kids especially the younger ones mm-hmm. you can't you know they can't yeah. get upset about this stuff you have to make it fun yeah. and so I, that's the thing that people always talk about when you're doing a horror film where you have younger actors is it's a lot of fun to do because you have to keep it that way for the kids no matter what you're projecting mm-hmm. onto the onto mm-hmm. the, you know into the camera. Mm-hmm the you know the minute that's over and probably the second before they started they're having fun they're doing something because they don't want the kids to feel bad they don't want the the kids to get into a position where they start to absorb this as something that they think about and they take home with them and that's why you know i'm sure the parents were on set Mm -hmm. i'm sure everybody was going out i'm sure that there was a lot of playing in that fake snow for real (laughs) yeah
3: well the um the good point here to just mention um you know, the director, Tom Shanklin, is, I think, has a, a great visual sense. A great, I mean, the editing and the let's images. Th- let's
1: talk about that. Yeah. yeah. And, oh, yeah. And you, you
3: mentioned the great, I love that segue between the, the, the uh, you know, the revolving, like, you know, little molecules and things, you know, that segues into the snow globe, you know, is just a great, you know, segment there. But also, I think I'm, I would be willing to bet with the kids, I think there's a lot of cases where he told his cameraman film the kids even when you're not supposed to be, when they don't know they're being filmed. Yeah, just when they're playing. And I don't mean to say that yeah. to take away from their acting abilities. I'm no, just saying that but just because yeah. he finds it. The, and then he would, you could see him going through, finding cases where it catches expressions on their face yep. and think, I can cut that in here. I can, yeah, build, so that yeah, yeah, I can use that as a, as a,
1: as yeah. a hinge point yeah. to, the, to, edit, to the edit to get to there. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Well, one of the things that... Uh, that I find find really impressive about what the director did. His name let's let's let's, let's call him by name. Yeah, Shanklin, a, Tom 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 Shanklin. Tom Shanklin. Make sure that we get that name out there because unfortunately, mm-hmm. hadn't really done a whole lot. Yeah. He's done a lot of television mm-hmm. since this film, but this is his last uh, feature film that he was able to get uh, financing for, which is a real shame. Because when you watch what he does in this film, he establishes mood and a lot of creepy atmosphere mm-hmm. without you know with without much hard work. He smartly mm-hmm. knows mm-hmm. he knows his framing yeah. and he knows how to linger on a certain shot mm-hmm. a little longer than average just to kind of make you feel like something's off. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's doing for about the first 30 minutes of the film, which is he's bringing in these... these There, there are shots where uh, we're, we're, we're holding on the shot for a little bit longer than you'd think mm-hmm. after the characters have left a room. Mm-hmm. So you're just looking at an empty room for a second. Mm-hmm. Or there's a couple of instances where the characters have stopped talking and the camera just moves slightly to one side or the other. So that once again, you're kind of looking at an empty part of the room and it holds on it for a few seconds before the edit, before the film goes on. Yeah, He does that in several instances where he's honestly setting up a feeling of there's something unnerving going on. There's something I'm not aware of that's maybe invisible. Mm -hmm. And of course that is what it is, Mm -hmm. but that's how he's communicating it by not letting you get comfortable with just getting to know these characters, right also getting a feeling that something is off, even before anything that's coming out of the characters would tell us that
2: something is off. Oh, yeah, the tension starts within the first 30 seconds of this thing. It's kind yeah. of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And one thing that he plays with beautifully is nothing comes out of nowhere. There's foreshadowing
0: yeah,
3: for right.
2: every. Thing that happens in uh-huh. this movie
3: exactly right there's yeah.
2: never anything like well where did that come from if, oh, especially God. you watch it to your second viewing yeah it's like ah there's that thing that yeah. pops up later and there's a, and it's never like here's a close-up of the knife on the counter or you uh, I love that in movies where somebody's slicing ham and they slowly put the knife down and you get a nice big <laughs> yeah. close-up thing I wonder if that'll come up later. But <laughs> well, like, like the checkup gun. Yeah, exactly. There's like the slow motion Chekhov's <laughs> There's none of that in this. Yeah, but, no, no. but things that are important are there. Yeah. And you might notice them the first time and you might not. But if you watch it the second time, you realize everything that's going to be important later is there from the beginning. Yeah, uh-huh. you know? it's true. All the pieces of the puzzle mm-hmm. are right there in front of you. And I'm uh, really, really smart. And there's so many great performances bits of performances are silent with just glances at people mm. not uh-huh. just from the, from the kids but the adults too mm-hmm. yeah. or gestures with their hands or facial expressions and
1: or, or just the just the way there was even a, there was a line of dialogue and this is the moment where it's at that dinner table it's during the dinner table scene where the uh the kind of wealthier of the two men has really it, it shows that there's probably a lot there and he's trying to be very careful about how he says what he says but the frustration level the kind of emotional pitch of that dinner table scene before it before they have to kind of take the kids away because mm-hmm. it becomes too much the uh the other uh husband character has uh this fascination with chinese medicine yeah, yeah. and he's essentially on the cutting edge, he feels of some mm. new thing that's going to be mm. very profitable. He's trying to convince his his uh, wife's husband, you know, uh, uh, his his, brother-in-law, his, his wife's brother in law or his wife's brother in law to like come along with him on this because and it's pretty obvious, you know, why he would he would ask him because they're they're much more financially yeah. well off. Mm. And it's at that dinner table where he once again can't stop himself from bringing it up at mm-hmm. the dinner table, which yeah. is a completely inappropriate oh, time. It's like it's the worst easy, time easy, yeah. at all yeah. to bring it up, which shows you not just, you know, where you might have a little pity for the guy, but it's like, no, you're you're not just not reading the room. You're like yeah. not realizing that this is, this yeah. is never going to be a good idea. If yeah. this table yeah. was, if this table was 7,500% calmer right now, this would yeah. still not be the right time to bring right. this up. Right, And And, and the guy, and the, the, the other, the other fellow just actually says, he's like, i He actually calls it a get-rich-quick scheme. Yeah. Which is kind of what (laughs) most of us in the audience have been thinking since he started talking about it to him. Right. But just to have them lay that out there, it's like... Mm we've already seen this guy and he's not the kind of guy who would normally say that to him. Mm -hmm. But he's, you know, the the edge has started to come up and Mm -hmm. everything has gotten a a little bit uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And what he's not saying is, can you please shut the fuck up about this while the kids are acting like maniacs? (laughs)
2: And you get the impression that this may not be the first scheme that this guy has. Uh,
1: Yeah, I kind of wondered about that too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but what's wild is how tied into something that's really kind of cute with that get rich scheme, get rich scheme character, where he's honestly he and his daughter, he and his eldest daughter are, or not, el- well the, the the middle daughter, yeah, you know, are actually are actually learning Chinese together. They're actually mm-hmm. learning mm-hmm. to speak the language, to speak Mandarin, mm-hmm. and that it, when when that's introduced, I'm like, that could be pretentious, but the way it's played in the first chunk of the film, you're like, well, it's actually kind of cute yeah. because it oh, gives yeah. it gives d- daddy and daughter that kind of little in mm-hmm. that little thing that's the two of them together. Which then also plays out into what eventually happens with the two of them. Because of that bond between daddy and daughter, Mm -hmm. she's able to manipulate him into Mm -hmm. doing something that... Mm -hmm. We won't we won't necessarily Not. talk about because it's part of the uh, end endpoint of the film where I don't I I I think we'd be yeah. best to leave sure. uh, leave some ambiguity.
3: But she has and that little girl has some amazing eyes, man. Oh, like he yes. really he really he really the filmmakers really like, you know, caught that and like, oh we gotta use, yeah, her eyes oh, we've yeah. gotta yeah, use those yeah, us to a great, a great effect. Yeah. <laughs> great little
2: actor. And as far as the Mandarin goes, just offhand. Was there any Mandarin that you could pick up from the Bonanza Christmas
1: album from Pop Sing <laughs> uh enough no, no? Okay. I think and I could be wrong I think he may speak Cantonese ah oh, oh, okay yeah, well, that is, that is, I should have caught that, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm not positive okay. I'm no expert <laughs> okay
0: yay! happy nearly new year yay, yay! 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 start everybody You let it get cold oh, I see you you got any pepper oh. <laughs> Do you do roasting? Mm -hmm. Mm No. Chloe, I think. I I think Robbie is getting pretty excited by my new business plan. And has he told you? No. I think it's right up your street. And I think it'd be fun. Be like a uh, a family business. Talk about it later. Yeah, but you think there's something in it. I mean, it's your sort of thing, isn't it? Bon appétit, everybody. Bon appétit. Oh, Chloe, we could do like um uh, like a junior TCM thing. You know, like um, building the kids' immunity in natural ways, instead of all those dodgy jabs, you know, been you know, going on. Leah! <laughs> no, no, no. Come on. No, 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 go. Go and sit down. Come on. Look, yeah, Jonah, come on. Um, Vicky, come on. I'm happy that you think you've found a way to make a fast yeah, buck, but I'm... I don't know why you think that we would want to be involved in that. Illegally importing rhino horn or tiger bone to cure fatal conditions like acne and impotence. I mean, you do remember what Chloe and I did for a living.
3: Why oh, is that a tattoo, Casey? Remember how you always wanted one, Laney, and but Mom wouldn't let you.
0: Come on, <coughs> eat something. Show me.
1: <sighs> this is, in a lot of ways, kind of a straightforward little horror film that uh, plays its cards close to the close to its chest as far as. Uh, you know, doling out uh, answers. This isn't a, uh, you know, uh, this isn't a stalk and slash film, although there are elements of that once the kids turn into the evil little buggers that they mm-hmm. turn into. Mm-hmm. And there's even a, a darker element that creeps in in the final few minutes that I think mm-hmm. is astonishing and brilliant mm-hmm. and well-played. Yeah. But the uh, the the darker elements of this, and I think one of the reasons why it being set at Christmas might play into this, we talked at the beginning about how the the family unit kind of broken into three different chunks with yeah. the teenager at the center of it, kind of, you know, neither one nor the other, neither, mm-hmm. you know, fish nor flesh. And the, the question becomes, with her as our central, central focus, with her as someone who may or may not be affected mm-hmm. by whatever mm-hmm. the hell's happening to the children, I think it's fascinating to realize that there's another thing that setting this story at Christmas kind of brings to the fore, and it's one of the ideas That the movie doesn't play with. As a matter of fact, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a mention of this particular fictional character, but let's talk about how Father Christmas or Santa Claus is not mentioned in this story, as far as I can tell. And yet, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing is a big part of Christmas. Mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons, let's be clear, that these kids are super hyper excited Mm -hmm. is, you know, gift giving, you know, Mm -hmm. not just necessarily from the parents, but that whole idea of Santa winding his way down the chimney and, mm-hmm. and bringing you the things that you want so much. Well, I think
2: the film is probably set right after Christmas, so they've probably already missed... the
1: Santa, I think, was done for them. Right, See, but the whole idea of, like, no one asks, well, what did Santa bring? Oh, you? that's true. What yeah. did Father Christmas... I mean, he's British, so maybe it will be Father Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know how deeply you know the Santa Claus nomenclature has crept into British British. That's something I should ask people, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I know British people.
2: <laughs> yeah. I should
1: have asked them before this. That's something I never thought. Do they, do they do they still use Father Christmas or do they say Santa Claus?
2: Not since Brexit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, it's certainly not P- uh, Pierre Noël. <laughs> that's that's right out. That's right out. <laughs> Pierre Noël, no, <knew.
3: laughs> <Net>. never. <laughs> God. See, I didn't even pick up on the Christmas that Christmas had already passed. I thought that they were going there to spend to actually spend Christmas together. Yeah, well, it doesn't be. That. I
1: can't. I can't tell if it's right before Christmas or right after. But they're they they're clearly there for that week between mm-hmm. Christmas and New Year's yeah. because they're talking about being there for New Year's.
2: Yes, yeah, right. They did say that. So yeah, and I might be wrong. I sort of got the impression that it was maybe like the the family who's coming there had maybe had their Christmas, maybe just that
1: morning possibly, and then they're. Yeah, could, that
3: could that actually be it could be grieving Christmas Day, yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. It
1: does it. But the idea that the and this this is an idea put forth in an excellent essay, uh, uh and I sh- I should uh, I'm gonna mispronounce this fellow's name and I, I want to apologize up front. Um or is it a lady? Oh I'd hate to I hate to get the gender wrong, especially especially uh considering how much I was how impressed I was with this. Uh Oh, it's it it, it, it it is it is a lady, uh, Andrea Subisati, uh writer, podcaster, and journalist. So I'm sure that we may be covering some ground here that she has probably covered mm-hmm. in a very similar fashion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Luckily, uh, I get to do it with a very croaky voice. Thank you, head cold. But she talks about how uh, you know there's killer kids are nothing new in cinema. We you can go back to. Guess the first one will probably be the bad seed. That certainly was the I think maybe the considered the prototype. You know the yeah, uh, but you know we we've seen killer kids all along the way, even kind of pseudo killer kids when you start talking about something like Child Play. Mm-hmm. But the uh, point that she makes very effectively about this particular story is that it's clear with the way in which the the director and the script is being subtle in how it approaches the the instigating whatever mm-hmm. the disease the whatever the whatever we're going to call what causes the children to do what they do uh, there there is the possibility of looking at this in a way that points out that this film seems to be making a commentary on a lot of darker things that are just part of society and that Christmas kind of sometimes just brings to the surface. Mm. Uh, she sums it up like this, but I'm going to back up here in just a second. She says, The Children is a scathing critique of the biological family unit, one that is forced to take a back seat to the shocking horror elements, but shows through nonetheless. On the surface, shots of soggy mittens, toboggans, and bright yellow play tents conjure fond nostalgia, for those of us who grew up in, sto- in snowy climates anyway. But Shanklin zooms in on the family unit so closely that we can see that the famil- the familial fabric is so threadbare it comes apart quite easily at the seams family members turn on one another when things go from bad to worse and the idea of blood being thicker than water comes under direct fire we don't choose our families but we remain we remain beholden to them in some capacity for the rest of our lives and we choose if and how to love and protect them the point at which she she breaks down as a as a thing that points to the the real break with Christmas as a, uh, a kind of undergirding idea, is that idea of the adults know that many of the things that are wrapped around the holiday are fictional, mm-hmm. particularly Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. That is a story you tell to kids. Now, the debate then becomes, is it a good idea to do this to kids? Because some kids don't necessarily handle the discovery that Santa Claus isn't real particularly well. Mm-hmm. But those younger kids are still in the age when they're being told those fictions. The teenager isn't. But she's also not got any of the responsibilities of being an adult. Mm-hmm. She's playing at it. She's stretching toward it. She wants it desperately. She wants to be able to you know, decide that she's going to go to this party instead of hanging out with her family.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But the kids, they're the ones who get infected. They're the ones who turn on the family unit and rip it apart. And a couple of them are at that age where they're starting. To, you know, they're they're of the mm-hmm. age where they're starting to obviously have some of those. Mm-hmm. They're the age where you start to have those doubts. You know, you get to nine or ten, and that eh, mm-hmm. eh, question mm-hmm. starts to creep into your mind. Yeah. And so, just setting it at Christmas, other than being the perfect example of a reason that the family would get together out at a out at a country house, a very secluded country house. Mm-hmm. Would also, could also be a nice way to kind of a prism to view what the real kind of difference between these three sets of people in the family are, mm-hmm. which is not just the mm-hmm. age, the adults and the kids, yeah. but the belief systems. And mm-hmm. does a particular set of beliefs that you're indoctrinating kids with make them more susceptible to certain dark things?
3: Yeah, yeah,
1: that's an interesting question, mm-hmm. and of course, tying that all into. Commercialization of the, the, the period of time, mm-hmm. which of course is very clearly drawn out mm-hmm. by the get rich quick scheme. Right. I yeah. mean, if that thread yeah. wasn't uh-huh. in there, uh-huh. and the only the only financial thread that was in the story was that one part of the family was more financially well off than the other part of the family, mm-hmm. it wouldn't really. I mean, you wouldn't really think anything about it. But the fact mm-hmm. that he's got this get rich quick scheme with the Chinese medicine stuff. okay, okay, yeah, 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 we're we're definitely talking about this. But they're talking about it in ways that fit perfectly within the story without ever drawing attention to the fact that they might be talking about something larger. You know, we're not, we're not like banging you over the head with it because it feels real. It feels, because I I got news for you. My dad and and one of his, and, and one of my uncles, they remember so many damn get-rich-quick schemes when I was a freaking kid? I still remember the freaking fire extinguishers. Oh, my God, the fucking fire
2: extinguishers. This sounds like a story. Wait a minute. Everybody needs a fire extinguisher. Where? Yeah, but do you need a really shitty one that you
1: buy from a guy who really doesn't know what he's doing? No, you don't. Maybe.
3: <laughs>
1: oh, my God. Nevertheless, hmm. so much of this... I, mean, I, do, I do kind of wonder if there are little bits and pieces of this story that are pulled from the writers' own lives because mm. so much of it feels too real. Yeah, it all rings really true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if so, it's stitched together beautifully. But I like the idea that it is is—it is possible to look at this as a breakdown of generations. Uh, a kind of, not, mm. maybe not just the fact that they're kids is why they turn on the adults. Mm. But the, their susceptibility is tied into the fact that they are able to believe things that really can't be real, things that yeah. aren't true. Mm-hmm. Because the movie does steadfastly refuse to, like, put a stake in the ground and say this is what causes this. Yeah. So, I mean, we can go, yeah, okay, we get that microscopic view of, you know, paramecium or whatever the hell we're staring at there, mm-hmm. which tells, you know, especially a second-time viewer, hey, I think we got an idea that this is some kind of, you know, possibly viral infection. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Who mm-hmm. knows? Mm-hmm. But it's the, it's the same. It plays out in the same way that Night of the Living Dead does. Mm-hmm. You don't know. Yeah, yeah. You get that satellite mm-hmm. idea from the television. And that's probably it. I mean, let's let's hang our hat on that, sure. Mm-hmm. But do any of the sequels give a fuck about that? No, 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 of course not, because it doesn't matter. Yeah, there could be maybe no
3: truer statement than "there's no more room in hell," you know. But right. That's, you know, that's as plausible as anything else this series gives us. You know, as far as what it, you know, it, it what's going on. It
1: could be a particularly virulent, you know, bunch mm-hmm. of mushrooms grew mm-hmm. in a particular area, and yeah. and you know, put put something in the air that just continued to infect. Who the hell knows, mm-hmm. right?
2: Well, we've got Tremaine logical. Yes. it's, logical. it's that of the end. It's that of the end. Dummies. Dummies. It's that of the end. Oh, I want to do a whole podcast yeah. on that guy. Oh, that guy's
3: this. That guy's awesome.
2: <laughs> I wonder if it's been
3: done. I don't know. He's probably been interviewed on a podcast somewhere. I I've hope been he has. He's made convention appearances and stuff. You yeah, know. Yeah, I'd so. love to
2: meet that guy. Uh, well, I wonder what he. I'd have him write. <laughs> yeah,
3: let me think. Yeah, so many possibilities. Uh,
1: probably, I think I already know.
3: I'd have him sign it. You must be shot on sight.
2: <laughs> I would. I would get one for Rod that just says, "You're a dummy, dummy, dummy." <laughs> and you know, I'd frame it and hang it on the wall. I would too. <laughs>
1: pleat,
3: pleat of pride. <laughs> Uh, Rhonda, what you going? To, uh, if you haven't already, say the name of the book. Oh, you're uh, the from. name yeah. the name
1: of this excellent book is called. It's a uh, Yuletide Terror, uh, Christmas Horror on Film and Television. Uh, it came out a few years ago. Uh, uh, Kayla Janessa was one of the editors. Oh, cool! Yeah, and uh, it's just a series of fantastic uh, essays on. Different television and horror films. Uh, there, there's some fantastic stuff in here. Amanda Reyes has a uh, has a wonderful chapter called "It's the Most Cynical Time of the Year: Christmas mm-hmm. Time in Horror Anthology Television." Oh, good. Uh, Well worth your time. Lee Gambin has a great one on uh, *Silent Night, Deadly Night*. Uh, of course, more than a little bit on uh, *Christmas Evil*. Uh, there's a great interview with uh, the director of uh, uh, *Christmas Evil* in here, too, Lewis Jackson. I gotta get this book. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a I good book. I spend money every time I come over here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, staring at my bookshelves or the piles of books, more like, is mm-hmm. just, uh, it's probably a dangerous thing. Kayla uh, and Janessa did a, uh, a chapter on Warning to the Curious, the, the oh, BBC cool. has, the BBC you know, the, stuff. Oh, the, the Ghost so Stories for Christmas, yeah. yeah. Um, well, and also, Kim Newman oh, cool. contributed a chapter on uh, Cash on Demand. Oh,
3: which, by the by way, film. I just finally watched for the first time a couple of weeks ago. I had oh, it, wow. t- I'd yeah. it DVR'd. Uh, for a while, but uh, I was purposely saving it. I didn't know after you know I knew it was a film I need to see but I didn't even realize that it had the Christmas angle until somebody, you, maybe you or, or another friend, I, oh, think, I, I think it was a,
1: me because who might have said like you idea. know it's a Christmas
3: yeah. film, yeah. And uh, so anyway, love that movie. What a good movie, man. It, it was, was it was
1: several years ago. Any you watched it? I haven't seen. Oh, you need it. to see it. Cash on the Man. You, yeah. yeah. Oh wow. What was not be for you? Peter Cushing and Andre uh, Andre Morell. But it's a uh, Hammer films, black and white. And it's uh, one of those things where uh, it was part of a, a set of Hammer films.
2: Is it one of those like Hammer, not Hammer Noir, but like
1: icons of
2: suspense? Yeah, one of, yeah, one like of those that. sets. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I got it. I got it in one of those things. It's just. Drag it out. You're going to you enjoy know what? it. that's. Come to think of, that's the one movie I own I haven't watched. Oh no, yeah, and you, you were just I'm the other day you were telling me I've seen everything. Glad we pinpointed everything. that. I've, I've seen, my seen my everything, collection. and then somehow this one and... slipped past me.
1: Glad, glad we were able to somehow bring <laughs> you, it to you this. You hear stage. that, honey? Random, I've, yeah.
2: I've watched them all.
1: Hee <laughs> 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 mm-hmm. Well, the the thing about it is we, we settled in. Uh, I settled in over with uh, John Davis one night at his house, and I said, I you know, as a hamper, filmed either one of us have seen. Let's watch this. And uh, it was nowhere near the holiday season as it started. We were like, "Oh, it takes place at uh, Christmas time." And the very opening shot of the film, I was just like, "Wow, this smells a whole lot like a Christmas Carol." I mean, like a lot mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. A Christmas Carol. And damn, if it's not an, a modern day version of yeah, a Christmas Carol yeah, absolutely. with. with crime at the center i mean yeah, it's yeah. it's just a really good film it is well this it sounds some cash on demand folks check it out
2: and speaking of british horror one thing that that um and this takes it right back to something we were talking about earlier hannah or maybe it's hannah toynton who plays casey yeah in the movie mm-hmm. the, the teenage character the yeah. teenage character this year starred in a british looks like maybe a miniseries adaptation of Midwich cuckoos Oh, oh wow, wow really? If okay. I thought it was a nice way for everything to go full circle. Is yeah. nice. I didn't enough. I didn't know there was a new version of that.
1: Oh, uh, was it produced for television or? I'm not sure. I just saw it on IMDb, but it looked like it was for British television, okay. I think. Wow. Cool. I'm always I'm always up for another adaptation of any John Wyndham. Story mm-hmm. Those are yeah. there there have been uh, it's like I, I still wish we could get uh, the uh that early 80s version of uh, Day of the Triffids a decent oh, release over yeah, here. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, to, for that matter, the, for, uh, how about the eraser. <laughs> as well? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm not sure how much further we want to go into a discussion of the details of this story because I think that mm-hmm. uh, we're kind of probably, as we discovered when we decided to talk about this film, uh, we're discovering that not a lot of people are aware of this film. Uh, the ones mm-hmm. that are, I think, can uh, see what we're talking about and and uh, probably appreciate it at least as much as we do, if not more. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure how much we want to, how much more we want to discuss and kind of. Give away. I think that since it is so easy to stream off mm. of Tubi, I think it's just a good idea to point people toward it. And also, yeah. it's not necessarily something you need to watch it you know, at, at the the holidays. Uh, it's something that oh, I think yeah, that uh, I think that it would be. It, it's probably good to watch during the colder months, just because mm. the film really has the feel yeah. of the winter setting.
2: And mm. yeah, I wouldn't want to go too much further because honestly, we haven't described much that you wouldn't see on the capsule review of it anyway. True, very true. Like. Kids go bad, bad yeah. things happen. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. the more surprises there are for you in this, the better. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just ah, such a good movie.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll just like say again, you know, because there were several instances more that I could I could point out. But yeah, I just want to don't I think I think so much of the pleasures you want to leave to the people discovering. So I'll just say again, uh, I'm impressed by the filmmakers as much by what they don't do as what they do. You know, mm-hmm. you know, there's, uh. there's a, so many trite and and typical things they don't do in the film that I appreciate. And while we mentioned the director, I uh, just will say, like we said, he hasn't done much other than the TV he's done. He's done a lot it's, of interesting it's He did, he did the, yeah. uh, some of the Marvel Netflix uh, series, episodes
1: yeah, of The Punisher, and, and yeah. Daredevil, and mm-hmm. yeah,
3: he did uh, something. Uh, he did episodes of something I have not watched yet, but I've heard as good as Ripper Street. I've never seen Ripper Street. Oh I've
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. he he, he, he did I think four or five episodes of Ripper Street. Ripper Street is an excellent series. Yeah, yes,
3: I've heard that, and then he did something I've also heard good things about called The Serpent. I think is a series called The Serpent that yeah. I don't really know much about, but it's gotten a lot of mm-hmm. good reviews. I've her. heard good things, but I've never seen it. But but just want to mention real quick because we've we've given him so many so much praise without mentioning his name the writer uh script writer is paul andrew williams um there's a couple of things he did i haven't seen them but they do sound interesting is something called london to brighton is a film he did and another one called cherry tree lane i think they're both horror films but reading about them they sounded really interesting so i'll probably try and track those down and um i just want to say you know we talked about how awesome the cast is both adults and kids and the only one that i really recognized from the cast uh um the uh actress eva berthesel who plays uh the 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 visiting mother you know the younger sister yeah the I, the, the blonde lady yeah i it. knew i'd recognize i knew i'd recognize her in a couple of things and i've seen her in uh, she was in a film wakewood you know which was made wakewood, yes a very good excellent movie. excellent yeah. film that excellent was made film. by that was one of the hammers modern films i think yeah, from, uh, yeah. the last few years have you seen wakewood i yeah.
1: haven't very oh, good highly recommended yeah, yeah.
3: and then uh, she's also in a series that i'm actually watching right now uh, on netflix called the last kingdom uh, which is, uh, it was kind of a jumping off after I watched the Vikings. You know, I was it, it kind of sprung from that. You know, it was like, well, if you like this, you'll like this, and, it, and it's based on a series of Bernard Cornwell books. And I'm a really big fan of his. He did the Richard Sharpe yeah. series. He did this series called The Last Kingdom, which takes place in like Saxon. You know, the the days of the Dane, Dane, and you know the Viking and Saxon you know uh, era there. And the Last Kingdom, she's a recurring character in that. So mm-hmm. so that's cool. That's where cool. cool.
1: there. Well, I, I have to say that. Uh, the, the, the film it's one that I, I can't say that I could I'd forgotten about it because it makes a hell of an impression on you, mm-hmm. uh, but it is one that I was very happy to have you bring up out mm-hmm. of the blue because mm-hmm. it's one that had kind of just slipped away from my from mm-hmm. my mind as 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 one that uh, really kind of takes place at that you know during mm-hmm. the the holiday period, um, very glad that you did. Yeah, same because
2: uh, I n- had no
1: mm-hmm.
2: knowledge of this film at all and loved mm-hmm. it. And one last thing I want to say about it is just. What a miracle it was to pull this off with almost no money at all. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it doesn't, but it doesn't need a big budget. They were were smart in how they did this. And it takes me back, and I've probably brought this up on the show before, but if you haven't seen it, look up on YouTube Joe Bob Briggs' rant from a couple years ago Mm -hmm. about being a filmmaker, Mm -hmm. where he go. they showed on uh, Last Drive In One Cut of the Dead, which was made for like $15,000. And Joe Bob says, look, if you're not an aspiring filmmaker, be a filmmaker, you
1: mm-hmm.
2: know. It costs no money at all to write a good script. Yep. Go out and make a film. And this is another one of those things that should inspire anybody who calls himself a filmmaker yep. to make a film. Because you don't have to have $50 million to make a good movie. No. You, you need to have,
1: you know, what, less than 10 actors? mm mm-hmm. Are we mm-hmm. talking about eight? Yeah. Total? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eight actors, a, 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 an appropriate setting that you could get your hands on and mm-hmm. use. hmm and apparently for this, a snow machine. Mm-hmm, yeah. And that's it. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you've got a rock-solid script, yeah. shut up and make your damn movie. That's yeah. right. So if you're on Facebook
2: every day saying I'm a filmmaker or <laughs> I'm a screenwriter and you're not
1: doing something, you need to shut up.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, it's,
1: okay. like, it's like a few years ago when I ran across the little low-budget film uh, Stung. Uh, and I'm try, I, try, I can't remember the name of the, uh, the director who made it. But you can while you're watching it, you know that it's not a huge budget film, but it's so well done, and it doesn't matter because it's incredibly effective. It is a solid, solid film mm-hmm. to the point where I like sought the director out and complimented him and, and made friends with him on Facebook because I think his name is Benny Diaz, and he's it's just a rock solid little you know <laughs> insect attack insect attack film made like like six seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Wow. he made the fucking movie, and I got news for you. It's solid. It's okay. very good. Cool. Make the film if you're gonna if you're gonna do mm-hmm. it, do it. And yeah, like I say, the the bu- the budget on this was not high, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, unfortunately, I, I mean, I, I think it I think it did okay. But mm-hmm. the fact that the director, someone who's obviously got reams of talent, hasn't been able to get another feature film off the ground yeah. Yeah. is a yeah. sad That's statement. That's a shame it because it you would
2: think somebody would look at this, yeah, and yeah, say hey, yeah. Right. yeah. There's a lot here. To this I've guy. got I've got two hundred thousand dollars. Can right. make make something like this for me?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, the guy can can do something
1: great with no money. So yeah, yeah. Ring him up, people. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right, well, folks. Uh, I was uh, I tend to, I tend to ask if. Uh, on a one to ten scale, what you give it, but I don't, I don't know. I, I know I ended up giving it an eight this time around, which I think is what I gave it the first time as well. I just think it's such a strong film. I think I, mm. I think it's just an exceptional piece of filmmaking. Yeah. And it's and it's let's 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 give it credit for one other thing. It's an hour and twenty four minutes. This movie does not screw around. No, no. Okay, no. this movie facing is yeah. it, it, with all the the suspense and tension and atmosphere that it builds. It also does not overstay its welcome. It's no. got. It's got four or five gut punches that it intends mm. to deliver, and it delivers them very effectively.
3: Yeah, yeah. And it also uh, will remind you that there's probably maybe no worse sound in the world than a child's scream. <laughs> that oh, that, like that, scree- that screeching. <laughs> oh, the, yeah. the, the
1: screeches of joy when they're playing at the beginning are almost as horrible <laughs> exactly. as anything else in the film.
3: You know, one of the, one of the worst worst times like, to be around a kid is, you know, you know that time when a kid's early existence there, a child, when it discovers what it can do with its voice. It discovers just the the whole possibilities inherent within its vocal cords. And you'll be sitting in a restaurant, and there'll be like a family with a little toddler or something there, or a little child, you know, sitting there, you know, and it's just sitting there, and it's just to its own pleasure, just... Letting out would just shrieks, shrieks every now and then, just yeah. because they can. It's not upset, mm-hmm. you know. It's not painful, you know. The parents are just kind of picking away at their food and pretending. Oh yeah, the, that the, it
1: the parents there. The parents have made the conscious decision that, that they cannot pick every battle and fight it. Yeah,
2: exactly. Plus at that point, it's almost like a like a machine you use to go to sleep
1: to. You've tuned yeah. out the sounds, like white <laughs> noise. <laughs> and they've had to because that's the only way they can maintain their sanity. Yeah, because at that terrible period of time where the yeah. child's ability to make noise is all out of proportion to its ability to make sense. Yeah. And it's just going to do it. Yeah. You know?
3: And so meanwhile you're over a couple of tables away and it's like nails on a chalkboard. Every time it's like it's happened, <laughs> you're just, just like, like But but so that's a great they use that to great effect in this film because you're right, because these shrieks of joy are just as bad as these shrieks of, of horror. And uh, so early on, even before actual horror has happened, you're already on edge, you know, you're yep. already on just from all the chaos and these kids screaming and you're already thinking like, oh, this is, I would be down at the pub at this point. Mm-hmm. I would be heading, I would be trekking through the snow to the pub at this point. I would
1: have <laughs> grabbed a book and gone somewhere, to yeah. just, just somewhere that would be warm and provide me with a beer. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. But uh, I, like I said, you guys don't need to, to like assign, assign a number uh, between one to ten to it, I just wondered yeah. if you wanted to
3: just say very highly recommended and uh, and yeah, it's it's really hard to find any faults with the, with the film. I mean, it's really hard to find things yeah. that they get uh, wrong. It's yeah. really it's really pretty much what they set out to do. They just nailed it. So
2: No, yeah, there's not a there's there are not really any missteps that I can think of. Mm. Just know going in, I mentioned off mic a little earlier. Not a lot of comedy here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't expect <laughs> so, a lot of belly laughs. Yeah. So if you're expecting like maybe, oh, there'll be a little <coughs> joke where somebody steps on some poop or something to no. break the tension, there isn't. <laughs> Not at, at all. all. It's a pretty grim ride. Yeah, it so, is. That's true. You know, be ready for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, it's good. I can't recommend it highly enough. Cool, cool. Troy? Mm. Fantastic choice. Yes.
1: Thank you, gentlemen. Wait, well, yeah, who chooses next out of the
3: three of us? Well, who who chose the Dow Code, Dow code Santa Claus? Oh, that was me. What we did so. I, I chose so, the HUD.
2: You're up next. Uh, it, uh, oh, 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 now did, that's... wait a, a minute, did, did I choose? I did choose. I one. think you did. Okay, good. No, okay. I'm
3: terrified now. HUD's going to be looking for chimp chimp Christmas movies. Oh God, save us <laughs> all. Oh man, album.
2: I'm going to start
1: right now. I got what 364 days to find. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is, is, is this the point? Is this the point at which I explained to you how I ran across the the Ponderosa Christmas album? <laughs> if if you search around on Tubi, folks, mm-hmm. you'll find a, a hidden little gem. He said in quotation marks, about a twenty five minute long Christmas special called Christmas with Lauren Green. Oh my goodness! Oh, from nineteen sixty five, I think, nice. uh-huh. sitting so there on Tubi for your uh-huh. viewing pleasure. <laughs> Does
2: it include? Uh Eugene Levy's impression of Corn Green singing Wow, the Indian Boy."
1: <laughs> oh God! This is a little before that. Eugene Levy's time on SCTV. Yes, sad to say, but there's a part of me that worries that you're going to like go. Okay, all the Christmas bits from SCTV. That's what we're going to do, and mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to pretend to be upset,
3: uh, but, but
1: yes. secretly joyous to oh, just yes. wallow through that again.
3: Yes, any uh, yes, yes, we should, yeah, any chance to watch? I S&T know Christmas stuff. Their Christmas episodes were yeah. just.
1: There's
2: no the way you could pretend to not like that. <clears throat> no, oh, well, no, no, You're not going to trick me there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, folks. Well, uh, thank you for tuning in to listen to us talk about the children. Uh, we had, uh, as usual, a great time. And once again, I'm going to make that empty and completely hollow promise that the three of us should get together again soon, long before we'll, next December. We'll do it. We'll do it. Yeah, we'll do it, you, do you say, every, every year. Yeah. Well, wait, wait, wait. we kind of do have tentative plans, and I'm, I'm kind of afraid to put this out there. We do have tentative plans for the three of us to be part of a much larger crew of people talking about uh, the H.R. Puffin stuff film.
3: Well oh, right. That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so we do. So, yeah, we should mm-hmm. do that because it's worth talking about. Oh, but yeah. but
2: there's going to be women folk involved with that so we need to get the He-Man Women Haters Club back together. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, we, we have to be careful <laughs> because I'm sure each of us will have to put one pinky finger on the table with a knife dangling over it so mm-hmm. that if we, we say the wrong thing or we, mm-hmm. we, we talk over the women... <laughs> we're going to be down a finger
3: <laughs>
1: right. I'm telling you, I you get Jackie
2: Mason and here it is a finger for you and a finger, <laughs> finger, finger for you well, we, I do hope we can get together and do another one of these I hate to say it where people will hear me but I love you too Chuckleheads
1: <laughs> Oh well it's this time of year when I remember My all guys. the things that I hate about, I mean that I love about you <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> and we love all of our audience we love our audience
1: yes yes we do and we want to once again thank you for listening to us babble about this. I'm really shocked at the people who contacted me in the past couple of weeks asking when, what what film we're covering this year oh my gosh, and where the hell is the show. About this. I, I know. This he I told me that to me. I can't believe that. <laughs> yeah. I was surprised. I, I, I was surprised when when like three people in one day were like, hey man I thought, I thought it might be some concerted effort by these people to just needle me or something. No, these people don't even know each other. So. Well, it's I'm kind surprised. of that way at home. I mean, Laura, like every year about this time, says,
2: when the hell are you going to get out of the house and record that? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the same sort of anticipation yeah. that she has.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, thank God, a few hours when that bastard is not here. Yeah, it? that's
2: that's how she said it. It's, oh, well, good. <laughs> yeah. good, good, good.
1: But uh, nevertheless, I guess the one last thing to say is if you've got anything you want to let us know about, the email address for the show is the bloody pit at gmail.com drop us a line and we will be glad to hear from you uh other than that i'll just say uh, i'm rod barnett merry christmas and we will talk to you again soon i'm troy gwen merry christmas everybody
2: and i'm john hudson merry christmas and happy invisible
1: Uh, you couldn't just go with the Happy New Year. You had to like <laughs> grind the salt into the Santa wound. And that's how
3: John ruined the, har- 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 horrors. the holiday horrors. He finds, it, the- he finds the- it,
1: the- uh, I would say, a different way every year to ruin yeah. it. But it's <laughs> oh, always was- the same way. <laughs> you know what? That was the star on
2: the top of the tree, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> the turd on the top of the tree.
1: <laughs> Bye, guys. Thank you all.
0: Ding, ding, dong, what a big parade, ding, ding, dong, what a big parade, ding, ding, dong, what a big parade. When Santa comes to town, what does Mr. Northwind say, what does Mr. Northwind say, what does Mr. Northwind say, say? whistling through the night. The north wind says it's going to snow The north wind says it's going to snow The north wind says it's going to snow And paint the whole world wide Then Santa Claus can drive his sleigh Santa Claus can drive his sleigh Santa Claus can drive his sleigh sleigh Over the housetop high Ding, ding, dong, what a big parade Ding, ding, dong, what a big parade Ding, ding, dong, what a big parade When Santa comes to town Hello there, boys and girls Hi, Santa hi And what do you young men want for Christmas? I want a choo-choo train! I want a better lover set! I want a cowboy suit! And what do you young ladies want? Ding ding dong, what a big parade! Ding ding dong, what a big parade! Ding ding dong, what a big parade! When Santa comes to town! Goodbye, boys and girls, be good, and I'll see you at Christmas time!